everyone, welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Bly, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's holiday bonus episode, we're talking to Amrita Heppi, an award-winning First Nations dancer and choreographer and one of the stars of this year's holiday campaign. Hi, Zara. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? So good to see you back in the office. I know. Back in the in, studio. In real life. So I am very excited because we are, we have just launched our sort of pre-holiday campaign and we are about to go large with our holiday spectacular, our beauty spectacular. Now, your team, Zara, have been working behind the scenes, putting this off, and it's pretty amazing. So as part of our holiday campaign, we have this amazing partnership with the National Gallery of Victoria. Can you tell us a bit about that, Kate? Oh, I love the NGV. I, it's the most incredible place. And the partnership we've had with the NGV has been going on for years. And, and actually, what is so like like fascinating about it is that we work with them on our holiday campaign, but it's so much deeper than that. What we have um, done for this year is partner with Naomi Hobson, who is a Kantju and Umpala woman, and her art is super connected to her heritage and to her connection to the country and to nature, and it's super in like uplifting and like incredible modern art, um, which we th- we have then worked with Naomi to get that on our on our sort of boxes on our bags. We've got it on windows. We've done amazing kind of sort of installations with it as well we really think this is an incredible um, partnership and I think what it does is it just takes that moment and t- you know to the next level um, so anyway we're thrilled and thrilled and super proud to be partnering with Naomi and the NGV on this collaboration what do you think about it? I love it and I think one we did this video with Naomi in her father's country and her mother's country in northern Queensland and she talks about living in colour and that to me is like the art itself is such an embodiment of that. And you'll see in this campaign, the holiday campaign coming out, is that we really bring it to life. And we've got Amrita, whose mother is also of an Indigenous heritage, you know, creating this choreography and dancing and sort of literally bringing the artwork to life. So it's such like a melding of different kind of, you know, visuals and different sort of energies in one work. And it feels super celebratory, but also really deeply connected. And I think that's what's so powerful about it as well. And Naomi's story, especially with that film, it's so beautiful. And she, the way she speaks about it is so like perfectly put of how she brings that art to life with all those connections she has. And I think when you see her art, you really get that sense. Like it's a, it's modernist, but you really understand where she's going with each piece. And she yeah. has these incredible stories and names for her artwork as well. Just a quick fun fact at the campaign, we actually did the whole shoot Literally like right before we went into lockdown, it was like that week where we were like, are we going to lockdown? Are we not? We had booked the shooting and we had it. So it was just this fun, positive energy filled shoot. And then the next day lockdown happens. Onto the positive. Onto the positives. (laughs) We did it. We shot it literally the day before lockdown. So this was back in June, July. And just to see it come to life and to have Amrita here is such a joy. So she is actually a choreographer, a dancer and a model. She's also done a TED Talk. So she's been, you know, 
really busy in her life okay. and really like achieving Amazing. great things. She's a multi, what we'd call a multi-hyphenate. Literally. Personality. Exactly. I and love she was that. such a joy on set. Like, you know, as we were getting dressed and as we were getting ready, she'd be dancing away. She actually choreographed a little mini dance and taught all the models. So we've got all these like great behind the scenes shots of like her teaching everyone and set this little dance. So she really encapsulates that mood of kind of, you know, not just of holiday and the spectacular, but also, I mean, we all need some joy right now. So we want to come out of this, this kind of crazy year we've had and last year as well. So a crazy couple of years and celebrate. I can't wait to put on a good frock or, a, well, actually, do you know what? What am I saying? I don't wear dresses particularly. So put on a, put on a great jumpsuit and a good pair of heels and go out with some friends and and have a you know fun dinner and I think that's what I'm looking forward to um but do you know what maybe maybe I need to go dancing as well <laughs> I kind of feel like I feel like there's this like bottled up in a I don't know dance floor moment for me that has to come out well, at some I think point I'm really the perfect person to okay. speak to her about that so let's get her in Hi. Hello. So lovely to have you here and actually in the flesh as well. And I'm so excited that you are (laughs) the ultimate star of our Beauty Spectacular holiday campaign. So thank you, first of all. But also, what a moment. I mean, you're going to be everywhere. We're going to put this campaign all over the country and celebrate the (laughs) return to beauty. So how does that feel for you? Um... Well, I haven't seen the photos yet, so it's slightly overwhelming, but um, I guess in most, mostly an honour. Like, yeah, I, I do remember, you know, you always remember seeing different beauty campaigns when, and paying attention to them as a, and what was in the bus stops in kind of small regional towns. So, yeah, what an honour. And I was really happy that, um, you know, that my skin was doing okay that week <laughs> as well. So, oh, do you like do yeah. you much prep before for your um, skin? Or, I mean, you looked great. Yeah, and, even, and your skin is yeah. like uh, perfect. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think like we had really, really great makeup artists, and it kind of happened quite quickly. So, but I think yeah, it was nice to feel comfortable on the day, and also to yeah have a lot of color and. There's a lot of colour and so much good energy. And I think that kind of radiates out of the campaign as well. You know, all of that kind of real joy, but also everyone's smiling. Everyone's having a great time. And some of the assets in the, you know, the video film footage we've captured of (laughs) you. We were talking about this earlier, teaching everybody a bit of dancing. You're not not just a model. You're also a choreographer and a dancer. And so when we came with the idea, we were like, oh my gosh, Amrita should actually choreograph a dance for everyone. (laughs) We were like, this is genius. What was that like? It was great. And it was really lovely. Everybody on set actually learnt the dance as well as the people that were modelling and everyone was really up for it. I think as well, like some of the models were like, actually, I'm just going to freestyle and do my own. (laughs) (laughs) I've already got this down. Whereas some were like, just take it through, like, let's do it again. Oh, really again. again. I like really get it right. I really need to get it right. I think I would would be a bit of both, actually. I'd want to get it right and then I would be in the moment. But there (laughs) is this like huge desire for everybody to kind of dress up, Mm. put their like colourful lipstick on, Mm. put their heels on and go out 
dancing. Mm. What do you want to do kind of post like lockdown reemergence? How are you going to sort of celebrate? Is it just going traveling or is it mm. going to restaurants? What is what are you looking forward to? There's this like place in Korea, this island called um I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Jeju. And there's like a history of like indigenous free dive, like female oh. free divers oh, there wow. that are like some of the best in the world. And I'd love to go free diving in Korea. So yeah, they're kind of like top. I'm also applying for a residency in Paris for six months. So that would also be great too. <laughs> Just okay, so you've, yeah. got, you've got all the things going on. Hopefully. And what would you be doing in Paris? Um, I have a few bodies of work that are due kind of the end of uh, next year and I want to take the time to do some research around the themes and also I think have conversations. I love I love Australia and I love, you know, the Asia-Pacific region. I want to be able to have conversations outside of my echo chamber in order to yeah. inform the perspectives mm-hmm. that I'm putting into work. And I think like the question that I'm asking myself a lot in my work at the moment is, you know, what is, what, what, what shapes intelligence and how, how are we thinking about that? And sometimes I think we think it's something that's kind of made independently, but really it's so social, political, geopolitical and yeah, like how, what are the metrics for that? So that's kind of what I'm thinking about in a broader framing. And I think, you know, uh, Paris would be a great place to. Paris is fantastic. And that thinking, like how does that manifest in your work? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> what are these bodies of work? It sounds very um, sort of secretive. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course, of course. So, uh, I'm very interested in the body as uh, a kind of archive and how it is that uh, we think about the archive of ourselves, I guess, but also ancestrally. So, in a kind of uh, past, present, and future thinking. And um, the best anecdote I have for this is thinking about, I guess, even how our eyelashes are shaped on our face uh, correspond to where the sun is and our kind of, not to make it necessarily about genetics, but yeah, how our ancestors were kind of being in the sun and that kind of shapes something about our physicality, Mm. but also then informs maybe how we might move. Also, I've done a couple of things with machine learning over lockdown over the past couple of years, and I'm interested in how that kind of forms our opinions, our biases, our movements socially and social choreography, as well as within the theatre, within dance, within a kind of uh, psychic realm that I think dancers hold on to. So I love yeah, that. Wow, so, so amazing. I mean, would you, <laughs> with your like dance you know, training and mm. did you ever go through like a, um, which kind of training did you go oh, through yeah. to become a dancer? Cause I think it's such a, you know, even with my daughters, they've done ballet, they've done tap, they, yeah. but they get to an age where they're like, it's just like, I'm going to stop now because my friends don't do it or whatever. Yeah. What, how do you keep that going? And, and what was your mm. sort of your experience growing up as a dancer? Totally. I started dance, uh, like my earliest memories of it, uh, listening to the Penguin Cafe Orchestra in my mum's living room and kind of thrashing about. And then um, my mum is a singer and a cleaner. And so it was like if we were helping her around the house, we were kind of useful. performing <laughs> and, and singing and, and singing. doing the sort of the sweet yeah. thing as you dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think that kind of formed, um, yeah, an interest in performance. And then from there um, I was kind of exposed to a lot of traditional dance. So things like kapahaka in New Zealand, my father's Māori, but also um, – different forms of corroboree and I guess Aboriginal 
uh, traditional dance forms. And, and I think then after that, I remember going and watching from the outside of the community centre a ballet class and I would kind of watch mm. and then run away and <laughs> yeah. try to do it. And I'm, as I'm explaining this on the microphone, I'm kind of gesturing around wildly. Yeah. And then finally got the courage up to ask my mother to do classes. I think I thought, oh, you know, I won't be able to do it and she won't be able to afford it, so I'm just going to keep on spying on them. Oh, and then that this teacher – This Townsville. Oh, this actually – we moved to, I moved to Avalon at that point. And she – yeah, my teacher was really great. She actually – she gave me – I think I was about 10 and she gave me a job – teaching baby ballet as oh, well as so cute oh, yeah that's the and best ballet yeah. baby ballet <laughs> yeah and to have like a to have like um and like I think I made like eleven dollars or twelve dollars a week yeah so there was that as well as yeah I just I loved it I loved the repetition I loved the kind of rigor of it and the more I was exposed to it the more it was like oh well I think so often we think that there's only one way yes. in dance mm. and that it's a prima ballerina or it's the hyper yeah. virtuosic. And the more I got into it, the more I realised that actually dance is almost like a bubble and there's so many ways to do it. Mm. There's so many ways to speak it, talk it, write it, dance it. Yeah, it's a language it's in a so language. many ways. Yeah. Totally. And a lot of the time people are like, oh, you know, it's the language that happens when we stop talking. And I'm like, but you know, that language is always being formed consciously and unconsciously yeah. as soon as you walk into a room. Yeah. I think if we think about choreography as kind of, you know, the organisation of time and mm. space, then, yeah, everybody has a kind of inherent conscious and unconscious choreography that's happening around mm -hmm. them. So, yeah, I've, I've from there I studied, I worked at, I, from there I worked in lots of different jobs, did was my original ambition was to be a backup dancer. I used to like choreograph my family to watch me from different angles. I was very I love into that. hype yeah. Williams and yeah, amazing. But even to yeah. like be aware of different angles at that age as well, and that's sort of like a you know. Oh, I so I grew up. I, <laughs> I grew up doing dance routines with friends, but it was all like to Janet Jackson and yes. everything like that. I mean, for, we'd spend hours and hours I can probably still remember some of those routines Zara which I'll show you on a night out um <laughs> I was never I was never good at this I remember doing ballet as a kid and the ballet teacher pulled my mom aside and was like your daughter is just not that great at this <laughs> I stopped <laughs> it's a funny yeah I remember once having like a a teacher at a later stage in life maybe I was like 14 and she was like you know islander girls don't do ballet and I was like I don't what? know what an islander girl <gasps> is, but um, I'm not oh. that. So move. That's and wow. There was like a general. Yeah. I definitely wasn't the best. There was yeah. it was a there was a general enthusiasm and love for it. I remember once like seeing a girl that I went to dance school was with, and she was like, "Yeah, you like what kind of medium at dance school?" And I was like, "Totally, yeah." But I just really loved, loved it, it and yeah. continued yeah. and continued oh, and it. continued. I mean, because it's all, you know, you, you've got to have talent, but you've got to put the time and the effort. Totally. And, and I think it's that all those references you're talking about, mm. all of your heritage mm. and all of that, you've got classical training in there as well, mm. kind of would come together to be totally unique for you. Right? Totally. And I think sometimes, you know, there can be people can think there's almost like a hierarchy and what it is that's like symbolically identifiable in mm. dance. Yeah. But um, 
You know, it's it's always changing and I'm very grateful, you know, from I studied at NASO, which is the National Aboriginal and Islander Skills Development Association. Mm. And then from there went to study at and that's NASO. It's like our blackfellas seem to really love acronyms <laughs> and really long ones. And then um, that was a school just for um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders yeah. that wanted to study dance. Amazing. And then I went over to Alvin Ailey and studied at Alvin Ailey and lived in oh, New York. Wow. Yeah. So that was. I saw an Alvin yeah. Ailey performance in oh, Paris did you? once. What did you see? The Guantanamo Bay one. Oh. That was amazing. It was like, and I think, like you said, when you, people think of dance, they think of like ballet. Yes. And you think of tutus and you yes. think of like Swan Lake. Yeah. And I think I saw this when I was like around uni. I went mm-hmm. on exchange there. Cool. And it really like expands your view of what dance is. Totally. Right? Totally. Like, and how, what was that? You know, you talked about how you want to be a backup dancer. Oh yeah, and then obviously now you're like a choreographer. You approach dance in such an mm. academic way. You can see, like, I'm like moving my hands here. Um, you're <laughs> excited, you? Zara. I know what. I'm like, maybe this is your moment. Person. Maybe you weren't going <laughs> to ballet. <but> maybe <laughs> Amrita style. Exactly. Maybe Amrita style is your your thing. <laughs> when did you real, like? When did you decide you wanted to become a choreographer mm. and move in that kind of direction and approach dance in that way? As like, well, you know, visual language and more than that. Well, I think, I mean, after I moved back from New York and I had had a lot of exposure to some really interesting experimental choreographers and visual artists over there that expanded my notion of what I thought dance was because I really thought, you know, we gathered around the social function of a theatre or mm-hmm. you were going to auditions and you were going to Broadway or that you're a backup dancer or that you're a teacher. And these kind of very yes. regimented, which is still something people are like, so you're a dancer, where do you teach? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't really teach. And they're like, so where can I see your show? And I'm like, it's a in the lockdown. And I made this chatbot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think the decision to be a choreographer came from, after moving back from New York, I'd seen some work and I wanted to um, make my own work and my friend owned a nightclub and the nightclub was called Good God Small Club in Sydney and he was like, do you want to teach a dance Amazing. class in the nightclub? And I Love was that. like, nobody's going nobody's gonna to come, nobody's going to come and he was like, I think people will come and we were teaching video clip choreography and at that time I think my brain was so – I guess, expanded, but also fried. And I was like, do I really want to be doing that? (laughs) And then I was like, well, no one's going to come. And then we sold out the first class to like 60 people in a day. And then the second class to another 60 people the next day. So, And then another class and another class. And then you're like, this is a thing. This is a thing. I'm going to do it. And I realized when I was doing that, that there was such a kind of uh, disjuncture between, I guess, um, how people view dance and then what people think that they want to do with dance. Yeah. You know, there is a kind of like maybe almost shame, embarrassment, but then there's also like a real desire mm. as well. And I think if people, I think the people, the reason why people were coming to those classes is because they were like, look, I don't understand what is going on with contemporary dance, but I get this film clip and I really like it and I like going to the club And I realised in that kind of um, melting pot that there wasn't really a hierarchy between what I was seeing in video clips and what I trained with in Alvinelli and then what I was 
thinking about in regards to corroboree, there was all of these knowledge systems and all of these kind of scaffolding in order to make the work that I wanted to make and a really willing um, audience that wanted to participate in that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Mm. And you're so brilliant at it as well. I think so. Well done. And But also you're an awesome model. Oh. Um, and so is that just your side gig? Is that just kind of like... Yeah, how did that just come, yeah. like happen? I don't... I I don't know. I think like I think I had some like lucky breaks and I think social media and I did a couple of different things where the emphasis was definitely on the fact that I was a dancer and then could also um shift and I think you know we've seen in the last 10 years that models are also um you know, that's part of their like identity, personality that gets pulled into things. And I'm definitely not, you know, I think about, you know, those like 90s supers. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. whoa. Yeah. That's like real model material. And then this is modeling, I guess, for me now is like yeah. a beautiful side gig. But still a great way to express yourself. Oh, yeah. And like yeah. with modeling, it's so subtle. It's like a move of a hand, like, you know, mm. changing the angle and the mm. wrist. There's like the photographers in Nez and Venud, they have yeah. like that movement person that comes to them on every mm. shoot to like teach the model how to move or show what sort of poses to do. Totally. And so there's so much more to it. And it's almost like you said, like a form of dance. But totally. A highly, and there's like a highly kind of specific understanding between the relationship yeah. of what I guess what the photographer's doing, what you're doing, and then like where your light yeah. is. And I do think you know there's a there's such an art in kind of being com- comfortable in your skin mm. and confident as well because I think that comes through whether you're on a stage performing as a dancer or you know being a model being photographed and you know you can tell if someone's uncomfortable, right? Totally. And there's a, such a language to it as well, which the best photographers that I've worked with are almost like choreographers, so they can understand how to set a scene without I guess detracting mm-hmm. from what a person's doing. Mm-hmm. So they would say uh, like a, I remember once like the language of like in the language of improvisation someone's like, "Okay, think about the fact that your toes are huge. You've got balance all the way through. Your core is in your elbow. There's a lot of buffalo coming, but you know exactly what to do them. Slippery pocket underneath over wow. Britney Spears at MTV Awards 1994. Jump up and down. So there's always And you kind get of, it. And, you and like, you're like, and oh my you God, get it. of course. If told yes. to me, I'd, I'd think, be like, I know. Well, I think we may be in a pile on the floor sort yeah. of like <laughs> messy spaghetti at that point, Sarah. I would be acting as if a buffalo yeah. was coming to me and then I would be a pile on the floor. But for you like you you understand that and you know how to interpret that in your body so that gives me sort of real context as well about how you brought this amazing energy and just gorgeousness <laughs> to our big holiday campaign which is super exciting and I think everybody needs some joy in their lives right totally. now so you had some amazing looks yeah. on set yeah do you have any favorite beauty looks that you were wearing yes I want to wear a lot of colored red eyeliner. the red on you is so yeah. so good and I want, there was also like, I saw somebody else wearing like a blue look. Like inside, like inside the and, and the outer outside. corners. That oh, looked yeah. really cool. Yeah, I want to be able to do that. And I think as well, like the makeup artist that was on the shoot, I've worked with her a couple of times before. And the way that she like touches your face as well, I want to be, I, I feel like it's incredibly glamorous to have somebody else do your makeup. But it also, I'm like, 
very much looking forward to like getting a facial and having that. I'm like, yeah. I want everybody you. to touch me all the time yes. when I'm choreographing, when I'm like, <laughs> I want you to touch my head and my face specifically. And so I'm looking forward to that. I think as well, being able to wear lipstick, I think everyone will be wearing a lot of lipstick. Definitely. Are you a lipstick person usually? I'm trying to be. You're there trying to like be. There's a really great Tom Ford lipsticks that I got last time I was in Mecca that I'm, I think I'm going to rock a lot what more. What kind of, of. colour is it? Like it's a, like a deep red. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Deep reds are actually quite, quite practical. You can wear that in the day as well. Or totally. like you could put it on a little bit and then smudge it out like a stain. Yeah. A bit more subtle. Yeah. I think as well, like anything for me that's like water like slightly waterproof and is going to go with my oh, kind of yes. rough and readiness <laughs> yes. then well, that's, that's it because you're like physical <laughs> you're hiking you're, like, you're dancing you're choreography surfing <laughs> can you sound like i feel really like lazy and sort of like no what, what, yeah. what do we do we sit on we sit on um zoom and you've got such like a awareness of your like physicality mm. and like your landscape and i mean you said you were you grew up in townsville mm. lived in sydney now in melbourne how has that her like influence to you moving from place to place and mm. you know living in Paris and you know traveling the world and I'm like and your father you said is he's from New Zealand so do you yeah. have you spent time there as well because that's a totally different landscape as well totally influence you surely um I haven't spent as much time in New Zealand as I would like to my family's from Whangarei they're now probably on the northern part of the island um I lived in New York but I would like to live in Paris and then yes oh, Sydney, the Melbourne yep. um look I think that uh, it's a really great thing to have perspective though in the last two years with having to be in a place it's like nice to look at the, the specificity of the landscape around me and realize how connected that is to other things without me having to be there necessarily yeah so often we're talking about you know the internet I think I was in a lot of artist talks this year where they were like you know we're not flying as much and we're not in different places and we're saving the environment. I was like, we have to realise that the internet is a real and physical place. It's like in the deep sea, it's data servers, but also in terms of our perspectives, it's like shaping them in the real world as well. Mm. I think in living in different places, it switches up how it is that you might approach things the same way as like both of my flatmates are bilingual Mm -hmm. and the way that they'd approach and think about things from having like English as a second language is like, it's like a real like, like a tribute to thinking about things with a different lens, with a different angle and to understand that we're all part of that kind of multiplicity Mm. in how it is that we operate. A lot of the time we're talking about, you know, we can only ever be what we can see, but I think it's also what we can feel, what we can touch, what we can taste, what we can place our body next to and to feel those differences I think is like a great honour to be able to shift our perspective in how it is that we'll interact with others in the world and human and non-human. Yeah, mm. and it's interesting you said that your flatmates are bilingual and it's like mm. heritage that they draw on. How, yeah. What is that like for you? How do you draw upon your heritage and what you do? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I get asked this question a lot, You know, being Aboriginal and being Māori and, and also being... Uh, English, Australian, and having like a multiplicity. And I think, you know, drawing upon heritage, I think heritage informs a lot of things. Um, And I want to like look at that word for a moment because I'm also from a heritage of like postmodern dance in terms of where I studied from. And then um, I think 
if we think about this idea of archive, it's as much about what it is symbolically mm. struggle as much as it is celebratory. And it shapes my opinions in order to be able to, I guess, articulate myself, but also to experiment with things, to be able to take risks, mm. because I know that people in my family have for a long time, yeah. to be able to approach things with like a flexibility, but also with a rigor. Um, yeah, I think dance a lot of the time um, has made me really good at being able to focus in on the mundanely magic things that are around Yeah, I love me. that. And it's real connection. Yeah. Mm. I think that's it, isn't it? And that sort of connection to all of your heritage, but all the things that you are passionate about. I mm. think that's what you can really express as well, mm. Mm. which I love. And it's all those different yeah. inspirations come, mm. coming together. And I yeah, love exactly. the fact that for you, it's not just about going hiking to do exercise. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's sort of got a different meaning. It's about having a different perspective, mm. seeing things in a different way, having a new experience. And I think there's so much that's going to come out of this kind of crisis pandemic where people mm. actually think about things with that sort of different lens mm. rather than just thinking, right, I need to go and do some exercise or I need to get... It's it's more about like that deep connection, which I think is so important. Yeah, and asking yourself what, you, what it is that you actually like you know I think a lot of the time obviously we're kind of informed by things socially um, politically around us in our immediate environment but I I was thinking about this like how often we'll kind of censor or curate our real world environment in order to propagate our online environment yes and like what that network informs in terms of like a self-surveillance of what it is that we enjoy. So, and I'm not saying at all, like, you know, don't go on your phone or <laughs> social media is bad because I really believe that social media is just like a reinvention of a very old yeah, tool. Like exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not Community new. and it's engagement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we used to write letters, right? We, we had the new, I remember speaking to my nan about this and she, I was like, what do you think about the Facebook? And she was the like, Facebook. The Facebook. She's like, the Facebook's the same as the newspaper. Like yeah. we had the same kind yeah. of like external fears. And so I think, you know, it's like, when I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is be like, well, what is it that I really want to have around me mm. now? And it's not necessarily always about an aesthetic or um, sometimes it's about like a real deep, like sensory touch experience of, yeah. that is you can't share on the online world. I'm interested also as well, I guess, culturally in the kind of trends that are come like that we're seeing come out of the region like mm. asia pacific regions like i've been seeing different like weaving techniques that have come into mm. things and then i'm like looking i'm like looking at Bottega Veneta yeah. and their kind of latest collections. And I'm like, I, my favorite. I die. Yeah, I bought a <laughs> pair of shoes from them. I'm like, it's like, yeah, those are your fun. They're yes, rich, fun. Fun. And I've got some shoes. too. So we're going to go out dancing together. <laughs> and they look like seaweed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's like that fun green. Yeah. I've got the blue ones, like kind of like electric blue. Oh my God. So we have to, which Zara was quite shocked by because I'm quite monochrome in my uh. dressing. And, um, but I definitely think they are just waiting for us to go out. I mean, do yeah. you, where do you go dancing? in um, Melbourne oh I feel like don't even ask I think like, I'm, I'm looking like, at you Zara and you're like no don't know, ask me like, <laughs> don't ask me it's unreasonable or do we just do that in the kitchen we just dance around the kitchen oh my that's God, what I do no. with my kids yeah, I'm like yes yes we do that as we do that too but I'm like yeah where like if anybody knows can you like hit hit Mecca up yeah. Like, yeah this is where you go dancing I think we all need some fun it was such yeah it was such a fun day and I'm 
Yeah, as I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the photos in different places and also maybe even seeing like my friends and family members um, yeah, take photos or I'm wondering if my cousins are like going to deface them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Please, don't. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> Just, I'm telling you now, I will thrash you. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> There you go. Well, amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Amrita. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, again, we are so, so thrilled to have you as our one of our faces of our like holiday spectacular, our beauty spectacular. And what an amazing way to kind of bring that campaign to life with you talking to us today. So thank Aww. you for your time as well. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it out in the world. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at Mechabeauty or join the conversation in our Mecca Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecca Talks. Thank you for joining us. And I'm on the roll.